Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue in our sermon series for the summer on the Ten Commandments, God's Big Ten, today we see how God wants to protect his name and the holiness of that name by giving us the second commandment to not misuse that name. I don't know what your favorite Christmas season movie is, but maybe some of you recognize just from this one picture on the board a, well, I won't call it iconic Christmas movie, but a Christmas movie that you can probably see almost every year that Christmas season rolls around. Does anybody recognize what that movie is just from the picture on the board? You can shout it out. You know what it's called? A Christmas Story, right? That character's name is Ralphie. Ralphie gets himself into all kinds of trouble because all he wants for Christmas is the Red Rider BB gun, right? And his parents won't get it for him. He's going to shoot his eye out. If you've watched that movie, you might remember it's got the iconic scene where the friend gets his tongue stuck on the pole because it's freezing outside. The broken leg lamp. But the one that's most traumatizing to me, the scene that's most traumatizing is that one right there. The soap in the mouth when Ralphie's language wasn't exactly what his parents wanted it to be. I'm going to run the risk this morning of the fact that you might actually be willing to I don't know, embarrass yourself just a little bit. Could I just ask for a show of hands? How many of you have ever experienced tasting a little soap at the hands of your parents? Okay, yeah, my hand's up too, so uh, I'm not alone. Thank you for being willing to raise your hand. Uh, that was, um, that's a memory. I can kind of still, even as I think about it, can you almost still taste it? Just how awful it is to have soap in your mouth, right? But it taught me an important lesson. It taught me that my language mattered. Right? It mattered to my parents what I said. It mattered to my God what I said. And so that lesson of, you know, what comes out of our mouths is important, I was able to learn that from soap. Well, obviously, God has some instructions for us today through Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 as he helps us watch our own language to see what our words can do, how they can be both a blessing and a benefit and a detriment to our God. We're going to base our sermon today on the second commandment. And so will you take a look at the second commandment with me? And I'd love for you to just read it along with me and maybe it will ring some bells for some of you if you've learned once upon a time the second commandment and Martin Luther's explanation from the small catechism. All right, let's read it together, the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not use his name to curse, swear, lie, or deceive, or use witchcraft, but call upon God's name in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. As we hear Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 today, I suppose Jesus could simply say to us today, guard, watch your language. Watch your language because he wants us to avoid misusing God's name. And yet he gives us a good way to use that name too, to pray, to praise, and to give thanks. Let's take a look again at those first few verses of Matthew chapter 5 from our text, verses 33 to 35. Jesus said again, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. 
or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Why is Jesus talking about oaths? Well, let's back up just a little bit. These words from Matthew chapter 5 are part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I don't even think we could argue about the fact that it's the most famous sermon that was ever preached. Jesus took that sermon and used it to turn upside down the thinking, the religious thinking of the day. A few verses before our text, Jesus prefaced these comments that he was going to make in his Sermon on the Mount with this phrase, unless, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are a little shocking for us to hear, those words. But I want to take you back to the first century when Jesus spoke those words and try to put you in the shoes or sandals of the people who were there listening to Jesus speak those words. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Do you know how respected the Pharisees were in Jesus' day as righteous people, as people who tried to live good lives, holy lives? If Jesus when Jesus spoke those words, if you were one of his first century listeners, you might have said, well, then who? Better than the Pharisees? More righteous than the Pharisees? There's no chance. So why? Why does Jesus say it like that? Why does he put it on the line with such harsh words? Jesus wants to turn away his listeners, from any reliance on themselves, any thought that they could somehow stand before God righteous on their own. And so he speaks these words to demonstrate just how difficult it is to gain that righteousness apart from him. Jesus talks about oaths in our text. And he makes this comment that we shouldn't take any oaths and He's talking directly to the Pharisees and we'll get back to that in just a moment. Certainly there are good reasons for us to take oaths in the world in which we live, right? You might take an oath before you're inaugurated into office, before military service, you have to be a witness in a court of law. But the Pharisees had taken the idea of oaths and they had, like they did with so many other things, made a system, a ranking system out of the oaths that people took. Did you hear in Jesus' words when he said, you shouldn't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem? That's what the Pharisees had done. They had taken God's name out of oaths, thinking to themselves, well, as long as we don't use God's name, then maybe we can avoid telling the whole truth. The Pharisees had it backwards. They tried to follow the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law was never part of their thinking. And so Jesus speaks these words to remind us that that's not how we gain righteousness before God. And maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, well, that kind of, we don't swear by heaven or by earth very often. But I got to thinking this week of all the ways, of all the ways in our world, and yes, even in our own lives, we misuse the name of the Lord our God. It just isn't as precious to us as it should be from time to time. I think most of you, if not all of you, know what OMG stands for. And it comes up in a lot more than just text messages. If you're not sure, it stands for, oh my God. And that's an expression I hear all the time. Simply, Throwing God's name out carelessly, sort of flippantly, 
not understanding what it means to use the name of God in such a manner. But then I think about our language in general. Why is it? Why is it that we live in a world where we think that somehow our words are going to be more effective, that they're going to be more powerful if we include language behind them? Like people will really believe me if I include some foul language with the words that I'm speaking. It's interesting that we think that somehow backing up our words with bad language or using that to become more trustworthy is going to gain other people's favor. Why? Why do we think that we have to call God as our witness to trivial matters sometimes in this world? And that's what we do every time we use or misuse the name of the Lord our God. God loves us. But it's not God's place. He's not interested in only being a witness to the words that we speak. God has a much higher purpose, a much greater purpose for his name being spoken. That's to bless and to save. He wants us to recognize how important his name is so that we use it carefully. And in our words and in the way that we say them, that we reflect his love for us in the way that we speak to others. And maybe you're sitting there thinking right now, is that really big of a deal? Let's take this truth home with us today. God's name is misused when it is thoughtlessly called as a witness to prove that we are telling the truth. God wants us to watch our language because everything that we say and do impacts what people think about him. But it's just words, right? We're not really hurting anybody. It's just words, right? But maybe you remember this statement that you've heard, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Don't we all know how untrue that, actually, that statement actually is? Bruises heal. They heal a lot faster than the sting and the hurt that words can cause. I bet sitting there right now, most if not all of you can think either of something that you said to somebody that you wish you could take back or something that someone has said to you that still stings today when you think about it. It might have happened years ago and you can still hear it. You can still think about it. Ask anybody who's been verbally abused in this world how easy it is to get past words that have been spoken to them. It's not. And so our words matter. And when it comes to God and his name, those words matter too. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, made the very first petition of the Lord's Prayer this, Hallowed be your name. We know God's name is holy, but we want to keep God's name holy among us too as a representation of who our God is and what he's done. Listen to Jesus' words in verses 36 and 37. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. One of the things I love about studying the Ten Commandments, about God's law, is he's very direct. He doesn't try to hide the meaning of the law so it's difficult for us to understand. I don't think it's going to be possible for us to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, but I didn't know. I didn't get it. God is very clear and direct in the words that he speaks. And Jesus says, 
the oaths that we take, the things that we say, the words that we speak can't change anything. Isn't it interesting? He says they can't even make one hair white or black. And so Jesus makes it as direct as he can. Just say yes and no. Everything else comes from the evil one. Keep your speech simple. Keep it plain. Be a person of your word and people will trust you for that. It's interesting how Jesus lays it out though, isn't it? That anything else comes from the evil one, the devil. Can I risk speaking for all of us when I say I'm not sure any of us want to be considered a spokesman for Satan. We don't want our mouths to do that. James said it so well in his chapter 3 that we read before, didn't he? When he wrote, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Words. Words are important. What we say, how we say it, how we honor God, the words that come out of our mouth about our God can either bring glory to him or discredit him. So we recognize. We recognize the amazing thing that God has done by placing his own name on us. And when we recognize that, that name means more and more to us and leads us to honor it every single day. That's the second truth I want, to take, uh, want you to take home with you today. Our words serve as a window to our hearts. We want people to see Jesus through what we say. If you want to know what's in a person's heart, often listening to their words can do a pretty good job. And so when we are good witnesses of the love that Jesus has for us, that's a window into the heart that Jesus has touched with his grace. How are you feeling right now? This is about the time as I was writing the sermon where I was pretty uncomfortable. Yep, another commandment that I failed at, right? The second commandment was no different than the first commandment. And it can be frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating to know that God has these commandments that he's laid out for us and, and I can't even begin to follow what he says. I want to take you back to what I introduced Jesus' words, how I introduced Jesus' words a little earlier when Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. See, don't we fall into that trap too? That somehow my only way to be right with God, the only way that I can stand before him is if somehow I can live up to his standards. That somehow I figure out a way to obey all of his commandments and then God will be pleased with me. One of the lessons that we can learn from the Ten Commandments is simply this. It's not our own righteousness that's going to save us. It's not our own righteousness that allows us to stand before God. But the righteousness the perfection, the holiness that Jesus lived for us. Isn't it amazing? The name Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. Jehovah saves. Our Lord saves. And that's what he did for you and for me. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? That Jesus not only never spoke a harsh word, he never thought a word that was impure or imperfect. And that perfection, that life that he lived, it's transferred by faith to you and me. God sees Jesus' perfect life in you. He sees Jesus' perfect life in me and he credits us with that righteousness. And then it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that, that Jesus went to the cross where people shouted bad words at him. Even the criminals hanging on either side of him, at least at the start, were shouting bad words to Jesus and yet not a single bad word came out of Jesus' mouth. And on that cross, 
all of our sins against the second commandment and every other commandment, they were wiped clean. Clean in the blood that Jesus shed for us. That's our joy today. Our joy is not in our own righteousness, not in my own ability to live up to what God wants me to do, but in the the fact that Jesus did it in my place. And here's what God promises. Because Jesus took away your sin, because that barrier of sin is removed, you have the privilege of praying to a heavenly Father anytime, anywhere, about anything. That's Jesus' own invitation to come to him when we are weary and burdened, to ask and it will be given you. We are free to praise our heavenly Father who loved us so much to take our place, exactly what we're doing right now. We can live lives of thanksgiving knowing that our future is secure with our Savior in heaven because our sins are gone forever. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Can I talk to my fellow dads for just a little bit? I'm going to talk to future dads too because some of you will think about this as well in the future. There is no greater blessing, no greater blessing that a father can give to his family, to his children, than to revere the name of God in his household. When God is elevated in our house, when God is the center of what we do, when we praise the name of God and think of everything in terms of God's name, everything else flows from that. When the center of our home is God's grace and mercy in Jesus, when when the joy of forgiveness is lived out every single day, when I can instruct children, when I can talk to my family with the same forgiveness that God has first seen and given to me, that's an amazing blessing that happens in families. Hold on to that name of God in your families, fathers. Elevate it. Put it at the center of everything that you do. Remember that Christ has already washed away all of your sins and then reflect that grace and mercy in the way that you deal with the difficulties and troubles that often come in families too. The importance of words, the way you speak. Every day you have an opportunity to glorify our Father in heaven. I bet, now this isn't just for dads, talk to everybody a little bit, I bet there are words that you can remember that were spoken in your home. Some good, maybe some bad. Again, words can hurt, right? And so not just dads, but all of us can remember how important it is to speak words that reflect the love of our Heavenly Father, our perfect Heavenly Father, the great Father that each one of us has every single day, the one who's leading us home to heaven. That's the final truth I'd like you to take from the sermon today. We want our words to praise and honor the God who loves us so much that he saved us. He sent his son to take our place. Some takeaways. I have one passage first I forgot about. I think you probably know this passage. If you don't, it's a good one to get to know. Psalm 50 verse 15, call upon me or call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. That's what Luther included in his explanation to the second commandment. Call upon God in the day of trouble. You have that privilege every single day. The God who already delivered you from the trouble of sin stands ready to hear and answer your prayers and guide you through the life that you have here in this world to the joy of heaven with him. Here are our takeaways from the second commandment. Number one, second commandment reminds us that God's name is precious. 
It's a name that God gives to us, his name, that he calls us his children, and we can call him our father. Number two, the second commandment encourages us to choose our words carefully. We know that our words matter, and we pray that God gives us opportunities to give glory to him through those words. And finally, our ultimate joy, Jesus fulfilled the second commandment for us to save us. That gives us every reason to praise his name. Maybe you've heard this expression before that as God's people, we want to be the moon, right? There's actually a a song that Chris Tomlin released not too long ago. If you want to listen to it later, it's pretty cool, I think. Be the moon. But, But the thought behind it is really neat. You know what the moon does, right? It reflects. It reflects the light of the sun. I don't know if we can say it any better than what we want to do with our lives too. That we want to be the moon that reflects the light of the Son of God, our Savior. And one of the ways that we can reflect that love of our Savior is by watching the words that we say, by choosing carefully those words, by striving to be people who honor God in all things that we say and do, remembering that when we fail, the cross still stands and the forgiveness that Jesus has for us is there always. Yes, you have the privilege to call on him in the day of trouble, to pray to praise, and to give thanks for his love that's leading you all the way home. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.